Thank you for joining us on the Access Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Pastor Kurdane. I want to do a little bit of a recap for everybody. So whether you were here, whether you were not here, I'm going to give you a synopsis, cliff notes of what we talked about um, in week one, which was two weeks ago. So here's what we talked about in a nutshell. I'm all about that grace. I'm all about that grace. No trouble. You guys remember that? So real quick. I'm going to take about five to ten minutes tops, and I'm going to do a quick synopsis of what we talked about. In chapter one, Paul goes to this place called Galatia. He preaches the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of grace. As soon as he takes off, some other Jewish Christians come in behind him, and they start preaching a different gospel. They said, oh, you believe in Jesus? That's great. But you need to believe in Jesus and you need to do some other stuff. And they were talking about circumcision, which is the gospel of salvation by works. So there were two gospels that the Galatians were hearing. The first one was a gospel of works, and it was confusing them, and they heard the gospel of grace. Now listen to me. One of them focuses on what you do. The gospel of works focuses on what you do to earn God's favor and earn God's grace and get into right standing with God. The other one, the real one, focuses on what Jesus did. And in case you were wondering, we here at Access focus on what Jesus did. Has nothing to do with us, with what we ever did, what we can do for God. It's all about what Jesus did. It's finished. What he did is absolutely enough. He was the perfect sacrifice, and grace is only found in Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. You with me? So one focuses on you. One focuses on what Jesus did. The religious system will tell you this. If you'll just change enough for us, if you'll just jump through enough hoops for us, then you can be in our club. So their, their model is change, and maybe you can join us. Jesus' system was completely opposite. And actually, he made it really simple. All he said was this. If you'll just simply follow me, if you'll follow me, you'll change in the process. I'll change you if you just choose to follow me. Real simple. Jesus plus anything equals nothing. That is a good word. Jesus plus anything equals nothing. Do you guys get that? There is nothing that we can add to what Jesus did to get us right with God. It's all about Jesus. So we're all about that grace here. We talked about divine order. Ephesians chapter two, Paul says this. It is by grace that you were saved for good works. So the divine order is this. Grace, when you receive God's grace, you'll put faith in the one that you received the grace from, okay? Grace, then faith, then when you believe in Jesus Christ, when you put all of your trust, all of your hope, and all of your faith in him, the result of that is going to be you're gonna do some really amazing things for God just because you're gonna want to, and you're not gonna do it out of duty. You're gonna do it out of relationship. You're gonna do it because you're gonna love him so much for what he's done for you that you're just, it's just gonna be an offspring of who you are in him and offspring of that relationship, his love coming into you and flowing out of you. You guys with me? So they're told these two different gospels. Paul ends up saying, nope, that's a fake gospel. That gospel works. There's nothing you can do. It's all about Jesus's grace. So now we're gonna transition into chapter two. We're gonna pick it up in verse 11. It says this. Later, when Peter, now this is the apostle Peter who hung out with Jesus, when Peter came to Antioch, he had a face-to-face -face confrontation with him because he was clearly out of line. So something's going down here. Here's the situation. Earlier, 
before certain persons, he doesn't even name them, he could have, before certain persons had come from James, who was the brother of Jesus, Peter regularly ate with the non-Jews. Now listen to me, Peter was friends with non-Jews in Antioch. The Gentiles is what the Bible calls them. So we would be non-Jews, most of us, probably all of us in this room, okay? And Jesus actually visited with Peter in Acts 15 and gives, gives Peter a revelation right to his face and saying, listen, the gospel of grace, I died for everybody. I didn't just, just die for the Jews. I died for everyone. Peter gets this revelation before this incident takes place in Galatia, which makes what he's about to do so much more worse. So he knew that non-Jewish people, all they had to do was put their faith in Jesus Christ and they were gonna be right with God, okay? So he's hanging out with these people. He's eating with these people. So he's no longer uh, uh, um, staying with the, the Jewish regulations of what you had to eat. He's actually eating with non-Jews. He's hanging out with them. He's actually living out the gospel of grace amongst these non-Jews, okay? So let's pick it back up. But when that conservative group came from Jerusalem, he cautiously pulled Back. Now, I want you to catch those two words. They're going to be important for the rest of our time together. He cautiously pulled back and put as much distance as he could manage between himself and his non-Jewish friends. So he's living out the gospel of grace. He's hanging out with these people. He actually even calls them his friends. And then all of a sudden, his old buddies, his old cronies show up. And he pulls back and says, nope, I can't hang out with you guys anymore. Because he was so fearful, and we're going to find out right here in the next verse. This is what it says. That's how fearful he was of the conservative Jewish clique that's pushing the old system. Listen, they were still doing things the old way, and Peter pulled back from people that Jesus Christ died from that became his friends because he was scared he was scared, he was scared of what they thought about him. Now, come on, somebody. I know I can relate to that a little bit. After I started following Jesus, being a little bit afraid of what people were gonna think of me, especially my buddies, and if I was around my new cronies, you know, people calling you a Jesus freak or whatever they wanna call you, your Bible thumper, you know, you get it, you kinda get it all. Oh, he's just that, he just loves Jesus now. Yes, I do, yeah. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And hopefully someday you will too. God's going to get you. God's going to get you in a good way, in a good way. He ain't going to kill your dog. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's good. But I, I mean, I can even remember uh, a few years into my walk with, with Jesus, uh, after I said, yeah, I'm all in. I'm going to follow you with the rest of my life. My best friend from high school, my best friend, Seabass, not the Seabass you guys may know here from Access. This was a sea bass before the sea bass. <laughs> he was having his bachelor party, and this guy stood up in my wedding uh, as one of my best men, and I love him dearly. I'm, I'm, I'm friends with him to this day, and he was having a bachelor party up in Manistee, and I so wanted to be there, and I so wanted to be there, but I knew the kinds of things that were gonna be going down at this bachelor party, and so... I was so nervous to say, no, I can't make it. 
But I knew in my heart what the right decision was. And so leading up to this, this bachelor party, I really didn't know how to break the news to him that I wasn't going to be able to make it, but I ended up telling him, hey, man, listen, I am so sorry. You know that I love you like a brother. I'm always going to love you. I just, I can't be there this weekend. And, and I remember uh, I sent it over text, actually. I didn't even, I was, <laughs> yeah, if that tells you how fearful I was, you know what I'm saying? I sent it over text, and, uh, and I remember him responding like, okay. And that was about it. It was real short. I could tell he was a little bit upset and a little hurt. And I remember sitting upstairs. I was on my computer. It was a Friday night, and I called my boy Seabass. And uh, it was about 11 at night or so, and I just said, hey, man, I just want you to know how much I love you, and I'm so sorry that I couldn't be there tonight. And his response to me was, brother, I'm proud of you. I'm so proud that you didn't come up here. I understand why you didn't come up here. Good for you. You're not missing anything. I love you. You know, sometimes the things that we're so scared of end up being such a blessing. Do you know what I'm saying? If, we're just, if we just have enough courage to take a stand for Jesus Christ, you know what I mean? And our faith and our, our morals, our standards and things of that nature, it just may work out in a different way than you thought. And I'm going to be with him this Saturday watching Michigan just destroy Michigan State. So I'm just saying. But I was fearful just like Peter was. And so here's what Peter did. He pulls back and it says, you know, they've been pushing the old system and this was, they're talking about circumcision. Circumcision, And it goes on, it says, unfortunately, the rest of the Jews, now catch this, the rest of the Jews in Antioch church, the whole church joined in Peter's hypocrisy. Listen to me, God placed influence on your life to have influence for him. When he raises you up in a, in a leadership position, and by the way, raise your hand if you're a follower of Jesus Christ in here tonight. Okay, you're a leader. You're a leader and you're a leader. And you have influence whether you think it or not. Peter's influence actually infected an entire church that joined with Peter in this hypocrisy, and they were saying, nope, we can't go talk with those Gentiles. We can't eat with them. We can't even be friends with them anymore. It's a sad thing. You know, and that's just the thing. You know, he's operating in this gospel of grace. You see it, and then all of a sudden, he swings right back over into operating out of the gospel of works. Then it goes on, it says, so that even Barnabas, and maybe you've heard his name before, Barnabas was really tight with Paul. Uh, the name Barnabas actually means son of encouragement. He was an encourager. Matter of fact, Barnabas was the senior pastor of the church at Antioch, and he joined in the hypocrisy as well. So they're all going along in this charade together. So Peter pulls back. So that's what I want to talk about tonight. How do we, as followers of Jesus Christ, how do we make sure that we don't pull back and go back into the old way of doing things? In other words, you've been called to live a life that's godly, not ungodly, okay? How do we keep, as followers of Jesus Christ, how do we keep from going back into the old way of doing life because it's actually a little bit more harder than we might think. And every single one of us that's been following Jesus Christ for any length of time, longer than a week, you know that there's tension between this. There is tension that exists there. So we're gonna talk about that tonight. How do we make sure that we don't go back to living like we used to? 
We've all had those days since we started following Jesus where we've done really good, had a great day, and then the next day comes and we just blow it, man. I just remember three weeks ago, and I'm not kidding, three weeks ago, I'm in my car driving down 84th Street. I hit 131. I got worship music on. I'm praying in my car. How many of y'all do that sometimes? You know what I'm saying? It's a good place to pray. It's better than texting and driving. It's praying and driving. Is it gonna be, I think it's acceptable. So here's what I'm doing. I'm coming down the on-ramp to get onto 131. I'm praying, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. And as I'm getting onto the highway, there's two huge semi-trucks that are driving right behind me. And I'm not even paying attention, you know, because I'm like, I'm praying, you know. And all of a sudden, I come to turn over and, you know, and, I, and here was my response. Oh, you freaking idiot. Hey, what you, don't judge me. You know you do this too. I went right from praying to not doing so good. And I, after I get up a little bit further, I remember thinking to myself, did that really just happen? Like, you know, I felt like God was dealing with me a little bit in it. Like, did I really just go from praising God? You know, James 3 talks about you praise God with your lips and then you, bla- you know, you just blast people like right after that. I mean, that's, the tongue is wicked, you know what I'm saying? And so I, I got right back into this old way of doing things, praising God and then, you idiots. So I'm dedicating this message to all my brothers and sisters who have been hypocritical in their walk with God, like Peter, like myself. So every single one of you, this is for you, because you're all hypocrites too. So join the party. We're in this together. We're going to figure out what God has to say about it. We're going to deal with it straight up, and we're going to figure out what he says so that we can do it his way. Amen? You good with that? Let me pray. God, thank you so much for this opportunity to gather together, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you tonight. Man, that worship was amazing, God. We're here for you. Jesus, we love you so much. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would open up our spiritual ears to hear whatever it is that you're saying to us tonight. God, give us understanding. Thank you for the scriptures, God. Thank you that we can come back to them, that we can learn from them, and that we can grow, God, that we can mature and become the people that you created us to be. Father, I thank you that um, Saturday you're going to favor the Michigan Wolverines. And after four quarters, they're going to stand victorious. In Jesus' name, all the Michigan fans said, amen. Amen. Michigan State, I love you. I root for you when you're not playing Michigan, but I got a microphone and I had to do it. You're welcome here. You're welcome here. Just know that the favor of God is now on Michigan's side. I'm totally kidding. I actually am just hoping for a really good game. Because if you guys didn't know, my my eight-year-old son, my wife and I are both Michigan fans, and my eight-year-old son's room is plastered with Michigan State stuff. See, state fans would be happy about that. You know what I mean? Like that... It's debauchery in my house, you know. But my wife's in-laws, they just flood him with this stuff. So anyways, besides the point. All right, let's get back to this. So it was uh, early last month, September, 
How many of you came out for our meeting, dating, and relating series? Excellent. So we, we, we did the, like this marriage and dating series, and, and it was amazing. The first, uh, the first week of that uh, series, my wife had decided to take the week off so that she could be at home with the kids because it was back to school time, and she wanted to clean up the house and get the kiddos ready uh, and prepped up for school, for the first week of school. So I'm like, that is amazing. So she took the days off from work. She's at home, and, and here's the only problem with this is that what ended up happening was that every single day I came home, the house was messier than before I left. So we have this, uh, we have this rule that we've kind of come to agreement on is, uh, you know, we just want to make sure that our house looks tidy, especially the, the main floor. So the living rooms, the, the kitchen, the bathroom, and the laundry room. And we're like, you know, with the upstairs, ah, not, not that big of a deal, you know, because if somebody was to pop over like a neighbor or a friend or something like that, no biggie. We, we just won't take them upstairs where all the, the junk we just threw is, you know what I mean? And, and so all the bedrooms, ah, we can get to that stuff later. Not that big of a deal. But let's make sure that we keep this main floor clean. And so every day I'd come home, and now, mind you, she's got three kids with her. Two are in diapers still. So she probably doesn't have a whole lot of time to do anything, right? So I should have some grace for that. I didn't. Okay, so I would come home and I would see that it was a little bit messier than when I left that morning. And so I was saying stuff like, so was it a good idea that you took the week off? <laughs> you know where this is going, right? <laughs> this isn't going to turn out good, but I, I want to tell you because it's real life, okay? And, and I screw up. I'm, I know I'm a pastor, but I screw up. Right? You guys okay with this, right? Don't judge me. Don't sit there from your judgment seat. So, <laughs> so I, I would start saying things like that, you know, and because there's just something about a dirty house. I can't be in a dirty house, man. You know, I just don't like it. And, and I do stuff, just so you know, ladies, before you get all, man, Pastor Kurt's crazy. I'm never coming back. He's sexist. Listen, I vacuum. I vacuum, okay? I... I do the grocery shopping, most of it. I'd probably say 80% of it. I come home. I unpack. I do a lot of stuff that most men don't do. So men, take notice because you know what? You know what? <laughs> when I'm doing those things, I'm actually speaking her love language, you know, and what that leads to is good stuff. So... <laughs> Amen. Good things, people, good things. So... I'm coming home and I would say these just these little things. And you know what's interesting is that when I was, so we're about to launch this meeting, dating, and relating marriage and dating series, okay? And I was just kind of, huh, so was anything going to get taken care of while you're home this week? And it's not even really what I was saying. It was the way I was saying it, you know? Nobody knows what I'm talking about. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> It's the way it comes out sometimes, right? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. It's like when you say something, you're like, ah, can I put that back in my mouth? And uh, so I would say these things. And so what happened is over a three-day period, there was this one thing in particular that was driving me nuts, and it was this, this laundry basket that was full of just stuff and junk. And it was right at the bottom of our steps on our main floor. So, I mean, it was an inconvenience to me. 
I mean, I had to take my life into my own hands by stepping over this thing <laughs> onto the steps so that I could get upstairs, right? And then every single time I came down the steps, I had to step back over this thing. And here's what was going on in my mind. I'm just gonna see how long it takes her <laughs> to get rid of that, to put it away, <laughs> to do something with it. I should have just been a good husband who's supposed to lay his life down for his wife like Christ did for the church, right? I know what the Bible says, people. <laughs> Jump on, is Michael Jackson back there. And I could have just taken it and, and put it in the laundry room, put it in my bedroom, put it somewhere. And so I let 72 hours go by and all it did was just kept piling up stuff. Didn't move once. No joke. My wife's in the back. She will confirm this. So I decided to bring this issue up at the very right and proper time. So it was 1130 at night. We're laying down in bed. Lights are off. And because of some of the things that I had said, the tension between us was so thick. She was laying over here. I was over here, dead silent. Ooh. And, uh, <laughs> and then it just came out. But it, again, it wasn't what necessarily came out. Like, it came out with some attitude. And so I said something along these lines. I said... So when do you actually think you're ever gonna get rid of that laundry that's been sitting at the bottom of the stairs the last three days? She shot up out of bed so fast, I got scared. Like, I went like this, I'm not joking, I went like this and I covered the money maker. I went like this. I didn't know if she would, I thought that an open-handed, what did five fingers say to the face? Like slap was coming, it didn't happen, praise God. But she gets up, she storms out, words were exchanged, and she immediately just goes downstairs, she grabs this thing. Listen, I'm not proud of this story. She goes downstairs, she grabs the, the laundry, she takes it in the laundry room, she starts doing the laundry, she's in the kitchen, she's starting to clean up the kitchen, I come downstairs, and here's something you gotta know about me. So when my wife and I get into an argument, I want to work it out, even if I caused it. Does this make sense? So I will spend literally, this is just how I can communicate. I want to work it out now. I'll spend six hours or 12 hours, however long it takes. Let's talk through this baby and work it out because I don't want to go to bed like this. Like, this is not good. This is not healthy. So I come and, I, and I'm approaching it that way. So I come downstairs and I said, honey, please just simmer down, calm down a little bit. Let's just talk this through. And, and my wife, here's something you got to know about her. She is completely the opposite. When we, are, when we are fighting, when we are arguing, she wants nothing to do with me. She doesn't even want to be in close proximity to me. And she lets me know. She'll say, get out of my face right now. And I always go, I'm not going anywhere. I'm your husband. You can't talk to me that way. <laughs> right? No, you don't get to pick and choose when you get to talk to your husband. I want to talk right now. Let's talk this through, baby. And I get real weird. I say weird stuff like that. And she's looking, she'll just look me down in the eye. Get out of my face right now. I'm not talking to you. And then she said something to me that hurt my feelings. 
And I ran upstairs like a little, you know. <laughs> so I, I go back upstairs. And here's, here's what I'm thinking, though. As I go up the stairs, fine. You want it that way? You don't want to talk to me? Fine. I'm not talking to her. I'm shutting down completely. In the middle of launching a marriage and dating series. So I'm being a complete hypocrite, okay? I'm being a complete hypocrite. She comes so much so, she came home the next day and she humbled herself and she came to me and said, honey, I am so sorry for how I reacted last night and for some of the things that I said to you. I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I gave her the silent treatment, got up and walked away. Instead of just saying what I should have said right then and there was, you know what, I'm sorry too. I'm sorry for how I said this, for how this came out. I understand how you responded poorly because it was actually my fault. Matter of fact, I should have been the bigger man. I should have been the husband that, you know, God wants me to be to you by picking up that laundry basket, you know, the minute I saw it and helping you out. I should have had grace that you, you know, you, you with the three kids, because she ended up leaving me with the three kids a, a few weeks later when you got, when y'all had your little women's party, and I was up all night. <laughs> Changing diapers and going from bottle to bottle. I mean, it was a mess, and I was like, oh, praise the Lord for women. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I am so grateful for my, it gave me so much grace for her, man. It was awesome. But I gave her the silent treatment for two days, trying to prove a point. And I was being a complete hypocrite, a complete hypocrite. And I went back, and we went back to doing things how we used to do it, communicating, relating to each other. We went back and reverted back to the way that we used to do it before we began to follow Christ. And it was my fault. I was being a a hypocrite. Um, But here's something I want to say to you. The church is full of hypocrites. <laughs> Have you ever heard somebody say this? And I used to say this before, uh, before I started attending church and, and following Jesus Christ. I used to say this. I'll never, and I want you to raise your hand after I get done saying this, because I guarantee you've heard this. I'll never go to church because church is full of hypocrites. I used to say that all the time. You ever heard anybody else say that? Raise your hand high. Oh, yeah. Listen, you know what my response to him is now? You're right. (laughs) Yes, it is. But why don't you bring your little behind through the doors and just come into our room because we got room for one more and you might just feel welcome. (laughs) Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. We got room for some more hypocrites up in here. By the way, I think church is actually the best place for hypocrites. You know why? Because we get to come in and we get to learn about what God has to say about it. We get to try to strive to become better and better and better human beings and followers of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. Followers of Jesus Christ fall down. I fell down on my face last month. But you get back up. Followers of Jesus get back up and they say, I'm sorry. They admit it. They quit it. They apologize. You reconcile. You have some good makeup, yeah. And then, you know, you move on. And you try to get it right next time. Are you with me? 
So listen to me, this is for all of us tonight. And that's what we're gonna talk about the rest of our time together here. Followers of Jesus, they fall down, but they get back up. And it's not about following a set of rules. Listen, I had a set of rules and they kind of got broken and I, I got a little upset about it and I dealt with it in an ungodly manner. It is not about following a set or a list of rules. It is about following Jesus Christ passionately. Let's see what Paul goes on to say next here. Verse 16, we know very well that we were not set right with God by rule keeping, but only through, I love these two words, personal faith in Jesus Christ. How do we know? Because we tried. We tried it out and we had the best system of rules that the world has ever seen. He's talking about the Old Testament, specifically the Ten Commandments. Convinced that no human being can please God by self-improvement, we believed in Jesus as the Messiah so that we might be set right before God by trusting in the Messiah not by trying to be good. That is a good word. We need to become people that simply trust Jesus Christ with our life. And we need to stop performing and trying so hard. There's nothing that we can earn, do to earn his grace and his love and his goodness and his kindness. God's grace is so amazing, friends. Verse 19 what actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. So I quit. Now listen to me. Before I read the rest, one of the things that I say to my son all the time if he wants to quit something is, oh, no, 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 no. You are not a quitter, son. <laughs> You are not a quitter. Do you understand? But listen to me. If there is ever a right circumstance to quit something, Paul's going to give it to us right now. I quit being a lawman. He left behind the old way of doing things so that I could be God's man. Amen. Will somebody please shout amen so that I can move on? Fully letting go, this is what we're gonna talk about, fully letting go of the old way of doing things so that we can become men and women of God that do things God's way, not our way, because we all know that there is tension that exists in every single one of our lives between wanting to do things God's way and wanting to do things our way. So, is there a secret to steering clear of going back and reverting back to the old way of doing things. I believe that there is, and I believe that Paul gives us the secret at the end of the second chapter. I believe that this message is needed for all of us in order for all of us to live in heaven's freedom. That's exactly what the title of this entire series is, Galatians, Heaven's Freedom. Who wants some of that? So I believe what we're about to cover can actually help every single one of us immediately apply some things into our lives that will help us to steer clear of going back to the old way of doing things. Verse 20, Paul reveals the secret. Here it is. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. That's it. I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. 
It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. Paul was not concerned about what people thought about him. Peter was, and Peter fell into hypocrisy. Listen to me. We need to become people that trust, not try. There's a scripture that says this. The fear of others is a trap. Trusting in the Lord is safety. If you just trust in the Lord, you're, you're gonna be safe. And I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life that you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am not going to go back on that. The title of tonight's message is Not Going Back. Two keys from Galatians tonight that are gonna help us to not go back to the old way of doing things. If we don't wanna go back, we will need to crucify some stuff. We're gonna need to let some things die in our lives. Here's the first thing. We need to crucify ourself. First thing is this. We need to crucify ourselves. And now I, I, I know what some of you are thinking. Like, well, didn't that happen, you know, when I gave my life to Jesus? You know, isn't my old self, like, isn't that already done away with? Well, yes, it, it was done away with because you did become a new creation when you said yes to following Jesus Christ. All of that is absolutely true. But here's something that Paul goes on. I believe Paul gives us another secret in Corinthians. This is 1 Corinthians 15, 31. He says this, I die, say it, every day. I die every day. I believe Paul knew that the secret to coming, there was a secret to coming before the Lord every single day to lay down his selfishness, his self, in order for God's best to come through him. This doesn't mean that Paul has no personality of his own. Listen to me. Paul very much had a personality of his own. You can see it in the letters that he wrote. Matter of fact, that's one of the most beautiful things to me about Scripture in the New Testament in the epistles is that when John wrote one, it's different than when Peter wrote one. You can see their personalities shining through. It doesn't mean that your personality dies. No, no, no. God loves your personality. He made you to be unique. There's nobody else like you on planet Earth. So that's not what happened. This simply means that Jesus now directs and empowers everything that he does with his life every day. Now listen to me. This, this message is heavy on scripture. I'm just gonna tell you right now. I have more scripture than I typically use in a sermon, but here's something I was thinking about recently. No one's ever OD'd on scripture. You can OD on a lot of things. You know what I'm saying? But scripture, getting too much of it has never caused hair loss, tooth decay. So let's OD on some scripture real quick. You guys good with that? This is gonna be good. Paul had to die every day because he knew what Jesus said. Now, as, I'm, as I was putting this together, this is the scripture, this is the scripture that, that, that kind of popped up into my, into my mind, into my heart, and, and I believe that it, it aligns with what Paul is saying. We need to crucify ourselves. He knew what Jesus said. Jesus said this in John 15, verse four and five. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Remember we talked about divine order, grace, faith, for good works. Those who remain in Jesus will do good things for Jesus. But how do we do this? 
How do we remain in Christ? Because, and here's another question I have. How do we remain in Christ? Because there's another scripture that says, you are sealed, once you give your life to Jesus Christ, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. So once saved, always saved. I personally believe that. But I also believe that there's a secret to doing earthly life really well. And the Bible gives us everything that we need to know. It instructs us in everything that we need to know on how to do this life really well. You guys with me? Jesus says, if you remain in me and I remain in you, you'll produce much fruit. So Paul says, I die every day. Jesus also said, yes, if you want to live, you must first Come on, somebody. If you really want to live, you must first die. So Paul knew something. He knew what Jesus said. So he says, I'm going to do that every single day. Well, that's cool, but I also want to live, right? I want to live every day. I want to live life to the full every day. And Jesus said exactly that too. He says, you know what? I came that you may have life and have it to the full. So that's cool. But how do we, how do we hear? How do we apply that into our lives starting right now? It's really, really simple. Here's the application. Humility. 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 It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Humble yourself by committing your life to God every day. Every single day. You know, uh, our team, we meet on Tuesdays. And uh, I was talking with Nick about this earlier. When I pray with our team, they've heard me say this probably dozens of times as I pray. I'll say something along these lines. I'll say, Jesus, we need you just as badly today as we did on the day of our salvation. God, I need more of you in my life than more of me. I, I want less of me, more of you. Action step. Day by day, is coming to God, I recommend in the morning, in the morning. Because I tell you what, remember last, last month when I got it wrong? I didn't do this that day. I didn't do this for a few days. And my attitude was reflective of it. But when I do this, my days just seem to go a whole lot better. And so I'm just gonna let you in on some things that I try to do when I, do, when I come to the Lord in the morning and you can get in whatever posture you want. You can get on your knees. You can get on your face if you want to. You can sit in your chair wherever you feel comfortable. But listen to me, no one can fall from a low, low, a low spot. <laughs> so you can come to him and say something like this, God, My attitude is crazy sometimes. So Lord, will you help me out with that? Will you give me the attitude of Jesus Christ today? God, my mind is crazy. I know you saved me. I know that I'm born again. But Lord, my mind is still crazy sometimes. And I have crazy thoughts that are ungodly. Would you help me out with that? Speak to me about that. Would you just come into my mind and invade my thought life and even my dreams? Because sometimes I have crazy dreams still. Come on, somebody. You do too. Lord, my ego sometimes is out of control. 
Sometimes I have a lot of selfish desires, God. I need you to replace my selfish desires with whatever desires you have for me and for my life. God, I pray for everybody that I meet with today, God. Wherever I go, God, I pray for divine appointments today, God, and help me to see them as better than myself because that's really difficult for me to do. And I know that's your standard. So give me your grace. And here's the most beautiful thing about this, friends. When we humble ourselves and we come to God and we say things like this on a daily basis and we choose to humble ourselves so that Jesus can be glorified in and through us, this is what James says. This is James 4, verse 6. God gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. We talked about this two weeks ago. Grace is what empowers you to change. God's grace, the same thing that saved you from yourself, is the same thing that sustains you in this lifetime. It is what transforms your life and it makes you, it, God's grace will get you to the place of becoming the man or woman of God that he created and redeemed you to be. I promise you that. What's the action step? It's simply humility. And God will give you more grace and he'll shower more grace on you and more grace. And before you know it, you'll become Christ-like on a daily basis. Second thing we need to do is we need to crucify our sinful nature. I had an interesting conversation with, with Scott and Nick in my office, and I said, what do you guys think? You know, if I was to say this to you, what is our sinful nature? How would you describe that to me? And they both gave me some, some good answers because, you know, typically when I think of sinful nature, by the way, the biblical term for sinful nature is flesh, okay? So you heard, you heard preachers say, and then I got up all in the flesh, and I'm always like, what do you mean by that? What does that mean? <laughs> what does that look like, you know? I always believe it, it means something like, man, I did something or said something stupid. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's typically what I, but what biblically, what sinful nature and what your flesh represents is not that. It is actually passions and desires that come from your sinful nature. Check this out, Galatians 5, verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross, and they've crucified them there. And unfortunately, some of us, not some of us, all of us have some ungodly passions and desires. And here's what people around you will tell you. Oh, you just do you. Oh, you got, some, you got this desire and this passion to do that. Oh, you go ahead, girl. You just do you. Oh, no, 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 that's, that's, that's how you were made. That's how you were created. God made you that way. Let me tell you something. If I lived by my sinful nature's ungodly passions and desires, I would not be your pastor. Do you understand that? I would be living in a van down by the river. Right? I would be. Many of us would be in a ditch, but here's the thing. You've heard other people say things like this. Well, you know what? My daddy was a drunk. 
my granddaddy was a drunk, my granddaddy, his granddaddy was a drunk, so I'm just going to be a drunk my whole life. I'm just a drunk. There's nothing I can do about it. No, 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 no. Listen to me. You do not have to let the passions and desires of your sinful nature tell you what your predisposition and orientation is. You let God tell you who you are. You do not have to live out your passions and your desires, and you don't have to let everyone else tell you that you just do you. Listen, you don't want to do you. I promise you. I know I don't want to do me. Otherwise, I'd treat my wife like I did last month every single day probably. Oh, no, I need Jesus now, today, just as bad as I did the day I said I'm following you the rest of my life. How about you? You know we're all in the same boat, friends. I know I don't even have to tell you what it is in your life because you have a Holy Spirit and a Bible. I don't have to stand up here and even preach it. You already know what I'm talking about. But we cannot live by our feelings, friends. Can I convince you today to not live by your feelings but live by your choices? How do we replace ungodly desires with godly desires? This is what Jesus suggests. Let's go back to John 15, verse seven. Just a couple verses down. Here's what he says. Jesus gives us the key. He says, if you remain in me, what's the action step to remaining in Christ? Humility, right? If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you desire. There's the word desire there. Now listen to me. He started this verse off by saying, if. What does that tell me and tell you? It's a choice. It's a choice. We can choose to daily come to Jesus and remain in him, humble ourselves and say, I need you to help me out with some stuff today, God. Would you do that for me? And if you do that, he says, I will remain in you and then you can ask whatever you desire because listen to me, when you remain in Jesus Christ and he remains in you, your desires will be Jesus' desires. That's good. He will replace your sinful desires with his godly desires, your ungodly desires with his perfect and pleasing desires. I don't know about you, but I want that. How bad do you want it, friends? It's, and it's simple. Come to him in humility every day. Every day. And I fall short of this, friends, so listen to me. If you, you haven't been currently doing this, I'm in the boat. I just told you. I'm a hypocrite. But I don't want to be. I don't want to be. I want us to become people. I want to become a man that lives not by my feelings, but by choices. I want to be a man that lives by principles and not pressure. See, what happened with Peter is that he felt pressure and he succumbed to the pressure of his peers and guess what happened? He became a hypocrite. Which gives me hope, by the way, the apostle Peter blew it. You know, that's what I love about the Bible. It's so real. He blew it, man. There's hope for us. There's hope for us. Because if you go back and actually read First and Second Peter, which takes place, he writes it after this takes place, you'll see his entire attitude and his entire thought process changes. It's a beautiful thing. 
So how do we crucify our sinful nature along with its desires? Here's the application, choices. Choices. We get to choose to daily come to him, humble ourselves. If we choose to do that, he'll remain in us and he'll give you his desires instead of your own. You do not have to choose to follow the passions and desires of your old nature. You can choose to do it God's way. And by the way, friends, when you make that choice to do it God's way and not your way, there's a lot of freedom in that. There's a lot of heaven's freedom on the other side of that, friends. I promise you. Wrong voices lead to wrong choices and right voices lead to right choices. I'm gonna finish on this scripture. Joshua 24, verse 15. I love this. Choose. Choose for yourselves this day, this day, whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Choose this day and every day to serve Jesus Christ, friends. Amen? Let me pray. Father, I thank you so much for how amazing you are, for how good your grace is, God. The fact that we blow it, God, that we are hypocritical in our walk with you, Lord. At times, I just thank you that we can come to you, Lord. We can admit it ask you for forgiveness, and I thank you, Jesus, that your mercies for us are new every single morning, every day. So, Lord, I pray that as we come to you every single day and every single morning, Lord, we receive your grace upon grace upon grace so that we can become the men and women of God that you are calling us to be. there's anybody in here who's ready to follow Jesus Christ tonight I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in just a second and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand because Jesus said if you'll confess me before others I'll confess you before my father in heaven and it's the best decision that anyone could ever make you're ready to receive God's grace and if you're in here and you've screwed up and you've been doing things your own way and you're just ready to start doing things God's way again I'm gonna ask you on three to just raise your hands up in the air. Nobody's gonna be looking, everybody with their eyes closed. One, two, three, raise your hands up. I see all of them, I see all of them. More importantly than me seeing them, God sees. Is there anybody else? All right, you can put your hand down. Let's say this prayer out loud together, friends. This is the best part of the service. This is when we get to celebrate people making a decision just like you did at one point in your life that's changed the course and the trajectory of your life, but not only your life, your descendants' life. Let's repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I need you. I'm committing today my life into your hands. Come into my life and do some renovations on me and never stop. I commit to living for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Give him a big hand. We hope you enjoyed the message from Kurt Ains this week. If you liked what you heard, be sure to connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at AccessRLC, and be sure to swing out Thursday nights at 7 p.m. in the ground floor at Resurrection Life Church.